Welcome to Creative Resolutions in Action, a podcast that dives into the real world of Manitoba with a mixture of smart conversation, expert advice, behind-the-scenes stories, and straight talk from leaders in government, business, industry, academia, and civil society. Creative Resolutions in Action, Manitobans Building Strong Communities. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Mike Moore. Mike is the former president of the Manitoba Home Builders and has a long history of using best practice to build strong communities in the Winnipeg metro region and beyond. Well, hello, Mike, and welcome to Creative Resolutions in Action. Thanks, Colleen. Yeah, and I'm really glad you could join us today. And My I pleasure. And I really wanted to chat with you a little bit about some of your life experiences. You've had a long career, well, from the development committee to community building to your early days where you worked with the Nature Conservancy and other organizations. And I just really wanted to talk with you a bit about where you've seen us come from those days as a province and as a, as a metro region. So in other words, you're saying I'm old. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that... We've come a long ways. It may not seem like it to some people, but we've really progressed from the day where everything was top down. Everything, all decisions were top down. It would be whether it was a singular person in office or whether it was somebody who chaired a board or a committee or somebody who had the title manager or director in a government portfolio that made all of the decisions unilaterally to a much more inclusive type of process. Now, saying that, we still have a long ways to go, but we're so much better than we were, say, 20, 30 years ago. So why is it important that that process changes from that kind of top down to a more, you know, bottom up, middle up, collaborative approach? Like, what are the benefits of that? Well, that's where the expertise is. The expertise is in the private sector, in industry, They are the people that do the work. And we have to come to the realization that neither can get the job done without the other. In other words, government can create all the regulations and all the laws and all the acts uh, and all the bylaws they want, but that doesn't get land conserved or a house built or a road put in or whatever it may be. That requires industry, the people who actually do the job that say, These are what we need in place to be more efficient in doing the craft that we've spent our entire life learning. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And, you know, often in our job here at the metro region, you know, we're really facilitators of that collaborative spirit. And, you know, it's so siloed, I find sometimes, you know, we, we put, you know, industry in one category and government in another. And sometimes I feel that there's this, this tension, it's almost like a, a mistrust. And I wondered, like, in your experience, like, I'm sure you can agree that there's kind of that mistrust. And how do we get past that to start to create the Manitoba we all want to see? Absolutely that happens. And if I can go back one step further, it even happens within government and within industry. In other words, various government departments are all siloed and don't talk to each other, even though they're closely affiliated. I know when I was with the Manitoba Home Builders Association, uh, I created a chart that showed 11 different ministerial portfolios that we work with in different areas. Eleven. And those 11 weren't necessarily talking to each other. So we had to have 11 different meetings, even if it concerned sometimes the same two or three principles. 
or issues. You still had to meet with all 11 because they hadn't met with each other. Same thing with you know city departments where you have the water and waste versus uh, property and development and, and all the others uh, involved there. And industry was just as guilty. You would have sometimes the, call it the uh, residential construction, not meeting and working with the um, uh, commercial, industrial, not meeting with the heavy, the roads, etc. Well, they all go into one area of construction, but if they're not working together and talking, it doesn't work. So I don't want to place the blame on any one institution. We've all been guilty of it. Now, what happens is we I've seen, I would say, especially over the last 10 years, industry has really got its act together. There are a lot of groups of industry working together towards one common goal or project, and that being how to make the system more efficient, how to uh, uh, maximize, as I say, that efficiency so that we can save money, we can make money, uh, whatever it may be, get the job done better. Now we have to get that same thing going, the relationship between industry and government, and that's where your office comes in. That's what if I can simplify things, that's what you were created to do because someone in their wisdom said, this isn't happening. It needs to happen. And neither party, industry or government, is going to make it happen on their own because you can't force that horse to the water to drink. And us not working together, that's a really good point. Like that's what we were created to do at the Winnipeg Metro region, uh, you know, a coalition of municipalities that are working together. And how do you see us moving forward and facilitating better relationships between governments, but also between business and industry? Because often I feel that there's a bit of a skepticism or a bit of a uh, lack of trust. That's it. The lack <laughs> of trust is the word. Right. These aren't special interest groups. These are experts. These aren't government in ivory towers. They're people who have been hired to facilitate things to get things done uh, in the best interest of the rural municipality, Community. the city, the province, the country, whatever it may be, that's their job is to make things work better. Industry's job is to, again, their specific area of expertise, to make it work better. And we have been separate for far too long. On occasion, we work very well together but not consistently enough. And that's where Winnipeg Metro Region comes in, is saying, we'll do the research on your behalf. We will talk to everyone on your behalf. We will look at best examples from across the country, across North America, across the world on your behalf. Then we will bring together, and a unique concept, unfortunately, <laughs> we will share with all of you all of the research we've done and we will come up with some suggestions. We want your input. What do you think are the best ideas out there? That's what needs to happen. That's what you're doing. Uh, I'm sure it only seems like you've got about uh, 14 jobs per person in here because you're a very small organization. Absolutely. Uh, with a very large task at hand in front of you. And the only way it works is if everybody comes to the table it puts their uh, their eye hat and throw that away, put their we hat on and say, we have to work for the benefit of everybody. 
because if one of us fails, we all fail. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, you've really described uh, a lot of our role here and what we do. It sounds like there's room for for us, you know, to because we're not going to be able to do the work alone here and we're going to need to reach out. And so how do we build these more trusting relationships? It's going to take a lot of work on everyone's behalf. Uh, bringing the parties into one room you've already seen is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Uh, breaking down those barriers. And yes, everybody has had injustices against them in the past. And you have to say, trust me, we're not moving that way in the future. That's going to be difficult too. But as I say, uh, people have to start looking at the greater good, not the individual good. I honestly believe that most people do want what's best, but I think we, we've created these systems that keep us locked into an old way of thinking, a status quo mentality, which mm-hmm. it's going to take us a bit of time to get out of. But Absolutely. you know, I think that if we could move past the status quo mentality and we all chipped in, you know, rolled up our sleeves in the same and rode our boats in the same dire- direction, for lack of a better word, um, we could really achieve something wonderful here. I think Manitoba could get ahead of all of the other regions that have done the work because we could do it in a different way. Well, and we can learn from the mistakes of others. There have been a number of uh, metro regions in Canada that have put together plans. Some have worked fairly well, some haven't worked all that well, uh, but they've all got something to contribute to us. And uh, to quote the government itself, we need a made in Manitoba solution for this problem. So let's look at the best of what we've seen across the country or in in other areas, steal those ideas that we think will work here, and claim we came up with them ourselves. <laughs> That's exactly what we do here at the Metro Region <laughs> Best. Thank you so much, Micah, for, for talking with us today about this. And uh, I just, you know, wanted to know on a, on a personal note, like you are always around the issues and you seem to have energy around them. You seem to always be optimistic. Every time I talk with you, what keeps you going? What makes you tick? What is gets you out of bed every morning excited about the work you do? Golf. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it becomes, it, it's my province. It's my city. Uh, people who are born and raised here, they got what they had. I chose to move here in 1981. I selected Manitoba, I selected Winnipeg as the place I wanted to live. So I guess I have a vested interest because I chose to come here. And I guess I always believe in the adage of uh, you always leave something better than the way you found it. Whether it's the job you took or the city you live in, the province you live in, the neighborhood you live in, whatever it may be, uh, you have to work on it. And anybody can sit back and complain. That's easy. Unless you're willing to work and contribute towards the solution, I really don't want to hear your complaint. So having said that, I I totally agree. That's always my motto is you have to leave it a little bit better than you found it. With that in mind, some of the work we have ahead of us is going to be tough. What would be a piece of advice you would give the elected leaders who are around that table and have to make some of these tough decisions? Listen. That would be the biggest piece of advice. Listen, we have a lot of very smart people in this province. Let them speak, let them contribute, 
and listen to what they have to say. Because no matter who we are, there's always someone who knows more than us. And it sounds like listening would go a long way in establishing those trusting relationships. Absolutely. So, Mike, what is the one important thing that we have to get across in this new spirit of collaboration? Well, it's the inclusivity of it all. This is all levels of government, uh, whether it's the rural municipality, uh, the city of Winnipeg, the province of Manitoba, the federal government. They're going to have involvement in this because some of the things we're touching on will cross federal boundaries. Uh, I mean, when we're dealing with First Nations, that's federal. So there will be all levels of government. They have to work together. We have to work with each one. And we have to understand that each one is coming from a different place and a different priority, just as the various levels of government have to realize to include whether it all of the private sector, the industries, uh, whatever it may be, chambers, uh, the NGOs, etc. They all have something to add. And we have to make room for all voices at that table. Absolutely, absolutely. And just because you're not sitting at the table does not mean that you're not part of the process. Absolutely. You will get your chance to speak. You will get your chance to contribute. It will be heated because I know you and I know your organization well. You will listen to everyone. You will take everyone's comments into consideration. You don't need to be a committee member, a board member, whatever it may be, to give input. Everyone will be encouraged to give input into Absolutely. this process. Absolutely. And I think that's the only way we're going to get a process that will actually live on and make meaningful change and yeah. set us in a proper direction in Manitoba. Absolutely. Mike, thank you so much for talking with us today. I always appreciate your insight and I appreciate your your spirit and your generosity with time and, and expertise. Call on me anytime. You know I'm always available to help. You've got a volunteer here. Oh, that's fantastic. And before we let you go today, we've been asking all of our guests on Creative Resolutions in Action. <laughs> One little question. If you could talk with anybody, anybody in the world. Living or dead? Living or dead. Okay. Who would that be and why? I would probably say because of the excitement of the times John F. Kennedy because of the whole I, I was alive during the Cuban Missile Crisis scare and I can remember I was born and raised in Sarnia, Ontario and every drop of oil from Texas and Alberta went through Sarnia to be refined and then it was shipped out that's where all the refineries were in North America in the 50s and early 60s, was in Sarnia. So Sarnia was number three in all of North America for sites to be bombed if the Russians invaded. Wow. Because there would be no gas for North America. So it seemed like every day, but it was at least every week for probably a year, there would be tests. The sirens would go off and we would all practice hiding under our desks away from the windows in the event that Sarnia got bombed by the Russians, which, of course, didn't happen and there wasn't. But there was this fear in early 60s. And so to be the person that had to make the decision to, you know, 
create the embargo of Cuba? Or when do I push that button? Because Russia and the United States were at the edge then uh, because it personally affected me at the time uh, as to whether I was gone in a quick flash mm-hmm. <laughs> of an explosion. I would probably say John F. Kennedy. I, I'd really like to go through what he was thinking of at that time and what the issues were uh, in order to make that decision because that was a very gutsy decision to close off Cuba. Wow. That is a, that's an amazing little piece of history you've <laughs> shared with us, and I thank you for that. I just, again, want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today on Creative Resolutions in Action, and I believe this is a part one of a part two conversation. I look forward to it, and it was my pleasure. And thank you all for joining us today on Creative Resolutions in Action. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to check out episode seven, where we talk with Dorothy Doby, a businesswoman, writer, photographer, speaker, former politician, publisher, radio host, and one of my friends and mentors. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast, like, and tell me what you think of these conversations in the reviews and who else you might like to hear from. Be sure to watch for episode nine next time, where we talk with Paul Thomas. Paul is a scholar, teacher, researcher, and mentor in the field of public administration, and for over 40 years has championed collaborative action. Creative Resolutions in Action, Manitobans, building strong communities.